The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm so happy you decided to join us today. Before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. I think my record, I, I forget. I always want to say it's 47, but I think it's 27 seconds to take this thing. It's so easy to set up and take down. Um, it, it's so nice with the screens now and how it comes with workouts and things for the players to do. Um, you, you will not be disappointed in it. Mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $400. You said it right. I, I went to them and I said, I got to take care of my people. Uh, 350 is not enough. You mentioned Coach Unplugged, and they'll give you $400 off your next purchase. So go over and check it out. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It's what allows me to put this podcast out every day. It's what allows me to put all the free resources and things I do out into the world. It pays the bills. So go over and check it out. 14-day free trial. It is a one-stop shop for basketball coaches. It is everything that you need. You get my email address. You're able to contact me. You're able to jump in our office hours. You're able to find anything. If we don't have it, we'll find it for you along with a 14-day free trial. So go over and check that out. Also, we'd love if you love these podcasts. Um, we'd love you if you went over and checked out High School Hoops or the 5-Minute Basketball Coaching Podcast or the Funnel Down Defense Podcast. We'd love if you go check those out. We'd also love if you left a five-star review. You know, we've got officials that come from all over the state of Alaska to the state tournament. They try to get uh, the Alaska School Activities Association works really hard on trying to get representation from all around the state. Well, that's the, that's the kicker. That's how you get them hooked. You want to get them on the big stage, and that's how you get them hooked. Exactly. It's like, but I'm thinking of Kodiak, if, the, if it's 10,000, there's only so many officials on a, on a, on a city of 10,000. There's only so many people that want to probably officiate. Um, but then when you get to the little ones, you're right. That's it. I just see that there's a problem with officials now, finding officials now. That's like, you know, with you have, you have the benefit, you have the, you have the hard enough to, people aren't going into it, all the, all the space. And now you know, at least in our area, a lot of the officials are older. I'm not sure they're going to want to officiate if we have football season. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not sure they're going to want to be close to those guys. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Um, especially in the pandemic, I don't know if they'll want to do it. So that all of a sudden, if you lose more officials, you're going to, <laughs> we can't play the games if we don't have officials. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a national shortage and has been for several years and in multiple sports. Um, you know, and I'm just thinking about the big two between basketball and football, um, and basketball, especially because there is so much more running that goes along with it and cardio. And, um, you do get, you do get an older population, just like with anything, you know, coaches get older as well. And there's a time where they need to step down and you know, they, they try to pass the baton. And, um, 
unfortunately with the, the this younger generation we just don't there's just not the the desire to want to officiate we we try to do as officials in alaska we try to do a good job of um you know i i've worked several of, of keith's games and some of some of my my pregame speeches or pregame talks with some of the captains are hey this is your last game that you're going to play as a high school student Right. If you don't want to continue your basketball career or you, you figure this is going to be the end, come on and come on and fish it, you know, be able to give back something to the game that, that maybe has given you so much love uh, as, as a player. Now you can give something back as an official. What we've done, what we've done too, is we've worked, we've really tried to work the college because Wisconsin's like a school of 40,000. We've tried to get them involved in our youth program, mm-hmm. you know, paid them cash, come do a couple games, get them hooked onto the thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, maybe I want to move up from seventh grade boys basketball. And um, so that, that has worked in some respects as far as trying to find young officials. We have had a hard time finding young female officials. Holy crud. Um, You know, there just aren't as many. I mean, I don't know more getting into coaching, which is good, but you just don't have that representation for the, on the, on the girl side. Um, at least I've noticed. Uh, so that's, that tends to be a hard thing too. Um, okay. So, uh, anything else on that? I've got other questions I got to ask too, but, um, that, that's, that's very intriguing to me. Uh, I don't know how you guys do it. To be honest with you. Um, so, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about some of the stuff you sent me, um, Keith, about that cultural stuff. Is that stuff you're doing with your team? Is that what some of that stuff with, you know, your effort and your attitudes and all those kind of things that you were talking about? Yeah, we're, but that's that's something that uh, before I got there, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, I think they, the girls had three coaches in four years was or something to that effect. So when I got there, my seniors who had had three coaches in four years looked at me like, you know, whatever, dude. Right. <laughs> and my juniors were almost kind of looking at me kind of sideways, like, you're not going to be here next year anyway. So, and so my sophomores and my freshmen, really, those are kind of, I wouldn't say they're my kids, but it was just a different, a different understanding and a different respect level between the girls that had so many coaches in the group and, and, and those girls who I was their first coach. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I, I mean, I know when I took over my program, I was the only applicant. No one wanted it. They were whole, but it's, it's a cultural, I mean, I think it's so important. You, you got to build that culture to, to, you know, to turn things around. You have to change. It's a mental, it's the mental attitude. It has I to mean, shift. the mindset and the yeah. mindset before that was, Hey, I'm a senior and I get to play. And some of the coaches I don't think were all in and they were just kind of, I'm not going to say they were there just for a check, but they just, their coaching philosophy and their coaching style was totally different than mine. Right. And so when I'm now playing the best player or someone that brings value to the court as a sophomore or freshman, and I have juniors and seniors sitting, then yeah, it just created. And, there were, and if I could tell myself two years ago, then I would definitely be more embrace those awkward conversations, those hard conversations. I'm telling you. So here's what, what I, I want to do from now on. I, you know, here's what I'll tell you something I do. I say, you want truth or you want harmony? Like when I talk to my kids, you want truth or you want harmony? And for an example, like truth would be, I'm going to tell you, you can't dribble with your left hand. Like that's right. truth. Harmony would be, you are the best dribbler in the world. You know, you are the best player ever. 
So almost every kid, when I say, do you want truth right now? Or you want harmony? You want, you know, and they'll all, they always come back with truth. They do. Um, But I said, do you want, you want to have that courageous conversation with you right now? Um, And you run a talented, what I tell parents is you run a talented gifted program for basketball players is what you do. And I I sing, you know, (laughs) in a small town like this or a small area, these girls have been playing since, what, Jason Kinneygarten? And, and, and so here's some of the, I shouldn't say that, uniqueness of it is that one set of parents coached them kindergarten through fourth grade. And for whatever reason, they, they butted heads and another set of parents came in and coached them. And it's like, well, hey, back in, back when those girls were in sixth grade, yep. such was, was the best player. You know, it's just, so those kinds of things that you, you kind of run you, you know what i have found though keith over time is you know first of all you, c- you can't be rational with irrational people and most parents are when it comes to their kids are a little irrational okay. um, we all are i get it i am too um but the the kids want honesty like the kids for the most part want honesty um you know they want to know where they stand parents you know sometimes don't always want that um but you, uh, having those courage have over communicating i think is the key to most of at least over my 30 years with with parents and stuff is over communicating and solve most problems most it is of, yeah and, and, and attacking those problems from day one i mean yeah like, you can't I'm avoid them about, yeah <laughs> i'm talking about playing time at the parent meeting and before after our first after trials and we pick the teams that first player meeting is going to be Hey, I have five, five positions at eight minutes a quarter, X amount of minutes, divide those up into the twin and 12 girls that we have. Right. Like everybody, there's, there's not enough equal minutes. And <laughs> secondly, this is not rec ball where I'm required to play everyone the same amount of time. I know. I know that, that's where you kind of try to have the rational discussion. Like when I cut somebody and they don't think I should. So you honestly think that I'm going to spend five months of my year coaching in January in Wisconsin to, to, to not try to pick the best team that I, now we can agree or disagree. We can agree to disagree that maybe you would pick one team and I would pick another, but I honestly think these are my best kids and these are the kids that are going to play. And, you know, it's like, really, you think I'm like, I'm sitting at home thinking about how you can get even with your daughter. Really? Like that's what I'm doing. Usually they can come around. What do you, for both of you, this question for both of you, what's the hardest part about your jobs? Your coaching job, or your officiating job, not your math job, because I know what's bad about that job. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Jason. You go first. Um, I I would say just just letting coaches know that you know it it's not us against you. It, you know we're we're here to to help the game run smoothly. Um, you know they're there to coach the game smoothly. We're there to officiate the game smoothly. Uh, prior prior interactions are you know. It often might be said that uh, coaches think that you hold a grudge, and I don't, I don't think that's I don't think that's the case. I, I don't I don't hold a grudge against any any coach or any player or any team for for that matter. Um, you know, I go out and I I adjudicate the game as as it's played, and you know, you, you adjust as a as a player. I remember as a player in high school, you adjust to the officiating. As officials, we try to adjust to how the level of play is. Um, if you've got a really really two not so skilled teams you're you know a, a travel might be a little bit 
of a sliding of a foot or a slipping of a foot versus if you've got two really, really high skill, you know, we talk about AAU programs, right. You know, those are the players who are on the next, on the track to the next level. You, you're going to be very, very cut and dry as to what the rules are. Right. Right. No, I agree. What about you, Keith? Uh, just the, the change of the way it used to be to the way it is right now, as far as, as the program, uh, and I think that we've come 180 as a as a school for for me, and we're we're headed in the right direction. So for me, that 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 was just the, the hardest part of of just yeah dealing with with the old and trying to bring in the new. Is, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so for both of you again, um, what is the hardest skill for you to teach a young official and for you to teach your players? What's the hardest skill to teach? I'm, I'm going to let Keith go first on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, okay, I got it. So our goal last year, and, and, and we've, we've become better, but our goal, I guess, and it, with our mind, two things that we're focused on, is becoming physically and mentally tough, and I and that's a skill set, right? Like it is a skill my set. Girls, my girls weren't used to physicalness, and they weren't mentally engaged all the time, or they kind of tapped out when things got hard. And that was kind of my girls thought it was their right to play basketball instead of it being a privilege. And right. now we're changing that 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 aspect of it. And when and when you know that. It's an opportunity that that this could be your last time playing for whatever reason, then you play way better. And then another thing is the mindset of wanting to win as opposed to hating to lose. And you play totally different. And that's that's one of the things my friend told me, my college roommate, when he watched the games. He's like, Your girls want to win, but they don't hate to lose yet. And right. once that mindset of them hating to lose then it's like it, it, it's it's that second level of competitiveness like it's the reason we don't play monopoly or games in our house because we don't talk to each other for like three days afterwards right no right. one wants to lose like it's not nobody. that like, nobody wants to lose are you kidding me nothing if we could flip a coin in this house and no one would talk to each other i could have some jacks with a, a red ball <laughs> and picking up threesies right. and my daughter would say hey you hit that jack and i'll be like no you got no. to i mean let's get a videotape so yeah, there's no my daughter, way. my my wife and my son have played more Uno in this pandemic, and they're Lego addicts. Like they taunt right. each other. It's like, oh my god, it's a game of Uno, people. Like seriously, <laughs> I know. All right, what about you, Jason? What's what's a hard thing to teach? That that intrigues me from an official standpoint. Um, I, I would say there there's well there's several things because I think uh, players and former coaches think they know the rules, but they don't really know the rules. Um, I, I often talk to our younger officials and, and I, one of the first things I tell them is I said, you, you and kind of like we talked about at the beginning of this, of this podcast is you have to learn to dialogue. You have to learn how to talk to coaches, but you have to use rule speak. You have to talk within the rule book. You can try to confuse them as much as you want to, because you might, you might think that you're right and they're wrong. And, uh, but you, you have to use rule speak. You have to use things so that when they go back in the rule book, they can say, oh, that's what they meant. And I think the other, the other side of that too is, and very closely attached to it is, you're not always right. You know, you, yeah. you, have, you have an angle, the coach has an angle, 
you're going to see plays different ways. Um, your interpretation of the rules might be a little bit different. Uh, and just being able to have that dialogue of, of you might not be right, but it's one of those things also that you can't go past a coach every, every time up and down the court and say, yeah, coach, I missed that one. Coach, I missed right. that one. Yeah, I missed that one. That won't You're not work. You're going to be appreciating very many games that very work. long. That won't work. But the, so, but yeah, the good so, ones can but the good ones can do that because they know they messed up and they're okay with it. Like I know I mess up coaching sometimes. It's like whatever. I'll tell my players I made a wrong call on that one. Um, you know, here's what here's one thing, and I don't know how Keith feels, but I just look for a consistent whistle too. Like mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, yeah. it, it might change half to half. Now, right. do you guys do you guys have shot clock? No, no, no shot clock. Okay. Do you and you play quarters? Yes. Of course. Okay. Yeah, we play halves, which was a unique change, um, which I wasn't 100%. I don't love change, but it's actually made me play more kids um, oh, okay. because it's two 18-minute uh, halves. So I basically got four extra minutes. My best player can't go 36 minutes hard. Like I got – it's like almost like a college game. You know, you got to rest them a little bit. Um, so here's something, here's my movement that this is what I want changed in the game of basketball. I'm going to see what, I'm going to see what Jason thinks. I think the jump ball should be, we should get rid of the jump ball to start the basketball game. Okay. So it's, a, okay. and here's my reasoning why most of you aren't very good at tossing it. Cause you don't do it very much. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's like, you're not practicing. Like when I played, you threw absolutely. So why don't we just give the visiting team the ball? Mm. everywhere and everywhere the visiting team gets the ball to start the game and alternating possession after that done we're over that that see that is a that's a, a very unique perspective um i do agree that some people are much better to toss than others um it's one of those things where if you're if you're lucky you might do it twice a game but right. really it's going to be it's going to be once right um and so you there, do it, so you do it 30, 40 times a season, that's it. And that's if you're the one throwing it. Yes. Um, and there are the rare occasions where you might have to throw it multiple times and to start the game, just right. with whatever happens. Um, but it, that is a unique perspective. Um, I would say maybe going to a coin flip like they do for football or for soccer. Oh, that'd be interesting. I just I, I understand where the I understand where the toss came from because that's where the game originated. But the mm-hmm. game has changed. There used to not be a three-point line, too. Like, I just – it's not – I just – I've seen so many – over, and I think it's getting worse. Like, the toss is getting worse over time. Cause, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a skill you don't practice. You, right. When you watch – as, as officials, we watch film, too, right? So I'm, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that right now, that coaches watch film, players watch film, Officials watch, not all officials, but if an official really wants to get better, you're going to watch film and you're going to break it down. Um, you're going to look for positioning, whistle tempo, um, all the things that are going to help you improve. But one of the things we don't look at is we don't look at our, we don't watch our toss. Right. Um, and we don't, we don't practice because really where, where else are you, where are you going to practice that? You can, you can read your rule book while you're, um, you know, you're laying in bed or maybe your buddy's driving in the car. You're reading, you're reading through your rule book. You're studying up on some things. You're on a, a, a two-hour air uh, flight to Juno or right. whatever, or you're going to circle Kodiak for an hour, right. so you, you get a chance to read your rule book. Um, so it is, it is a skill that is not widely practiced, but I think that as, as officials, we, we need to be masters of our craft, and one of the things about our craft is we have to be able to toss the ball well. 
Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's one of those things I, you know, I personally think there should be one governing body to decide how to play the game of basketball too. It's like, there's like 18 different ways of doing it. It's like, let's just come up with one way and let's just, you know, but anyway, that's just my, that's, but I'm more, I really want the jump ball thing change. Cause I just, yeah. Now, Steve, do you have a shot clock in, in we Wisconsin? We do not. Um, it got it, it got to the point where it almost passed, and then the athletic directors got a hold of it, and I, I maybe had a little to do with it on Twitter and said, uh. um, <laughs> "Here's my issue with the shot clock." And I'm not pro. I mean, I've I've talked to our state associate. I've talked anyway. Um, I don't really care because we'll adjust. Here's my issue with the shot clock: is a couple things. First of all, it's actually a relatively thing, hard thing to run because I've tried to do it. It's not an easy thing to do. I think we could probably train somebody. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not, it's not, and, and this isn't a reason not to do it. Costs and that, it's not a reason to do it. What I think makes high school basketball unique and, and different than the college and the, and the pro game is you can decide the style of game you want to play. And I can decide the style of game I want to play. And we can have a chess match with that. Um, if you watch college and NBA, they're all kind of the same pace and they're all kind of the same game. Um, if you want to go 180 miles an hour and I want to have 16 possessions, I can do whatever I think I need to do to allow my team to win. That's my only reason I'm a kind of against it. I know it's probably coming at some point. Um, but if you have a 25 or 30 second shot clock, I'm going to 2 2 1 press you and I'm going to take eight seconds off. And then I'm right. probably going to sit in a zone and then match up at the end and just try to – I think it's going to get very vanilla. And that's what I, why I haven't left high school basketball. It's, I love it. I just think you can go to a high school game anywhere in Wisconsin and you're going to see 85 different styles of basketball. Right. Um, and that's my worry with the shot clock. Um, I think now, in the summer when your kids play AAU or, or travel ball, it's mixed or is it's it strictly- mixed? It's not as much as there's not as much shot clock down here as there is. It depends on the, it depends on the tournaments. Obviously the higher up you go, the, the more they are. Um, I think the argument that it's getting ready for college is a silly argument because most of them aren't going to play in college anyway. Um, I worry about the I worry about the teams that aren't very skilled too. <laughs> and then you get down to seven seconds in the shot clock. What it doesn't tend to be really good basketball at that point. Um, but I don't know. I think it's coming. I realize it's coming. Um, I'm probably sounding like the old man, get off, yell, get off my porch kind of thing. Um, but I, I, I realize it. Um, but I mean, if you have a hard time finding officials, you're going to, you're going to have to pay someone else to sit at the thing and I, public education is not overly funded. And at my, at this point, in my opinion. Um, all right. Uh, let's see what else I got on my list here. Um, Oh, here, I got one for both of you. So you can both take this. This is a great, this is one of my favorite questions. All right, so I want you to take a coaching and or an official, I want you to take it a success or a failure that you think someone could learn from. Because I think you learn from successes. I think you learn just as much from failures in life, to be honest with you. Um, but is there something that at a coaching time or an official time that, Someone that's listening could take away a golden nugget. I, the quote goes, I think you can't send a duck to Eagle school, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think the quote is you can't make chicken soup out of chicken beef. Yeah, I think that's the actual quote. But we'll, we'll use yours because I don't want to get E rating, but yes. Oh, so I think I put 
student athletes in positions on the court that they just physically and mentally couldn't do. And, and, and in turn, we lost the game. And then that was a lesson for me that, that made, yeah, that I, that there were people that I wouldn't say unprepared, but they just didn't have the skill level or the the basketball IQ to be in that situation. Right. I've, and I've done that coaching wise. Like I haven't had them ready for a situation that occurred. Now it hasn't happened recently, but that I didn't have the right thing in the right people in the right spot. It was my fault. hundred percent my fault. Um, yes. I, but I learned, but I never did it again. Right. I one scorebook. It, I only made one scorebook problem in 32 years. It was like I was a freshman or sophomore coach. My second year, I put the wrong number. I've only made that mistake once. <laughs> once. I never, I, I told myself had that happened and the other team shooting a technical to start the game. I said, I will never do that again. I will never make that mistake again. It's funny. I was a, uh, a C team, which is freshman, right, at, at South right. High, which is probably the richest high school in, in, in Alaska, period, right, whether private or whatever. And uh, had a sister on the team, and she might have been eight years old. And to keep her around, she used to put the – I used to let her put the numbers in the book, right? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, ref comes, is like, hey, uh, such and such wasn't in the book. And I look at her, and she looks at me, and she says – what? I was hungry, <laughs> right? I had to go get my popcorn. For yeah, she was like, what do you want from me? I was hungry. And I'm like, well, okay, you're eight. You're right. So it was, so yeah, we just took that. Took that. <laughs> I could see you looking at an eight-year-old. Like, okay, you look over there and go, what was I thinking? Like, right, exactly. What was I thinking? <laughs> see, I was led into a false sense of comfort <laughs> with her doing it so long and doing it right that right. I never, ever checked an eight-year-old, right? Until she got hungry and was like, you know what? That might, that's a top 10 story there. I love that one. I've asked that question probably a hundred times. I love that answer. It's like, so that, that was mine. Okay. You, you know, and just to kind of pigtail on that for as far as officiating goes, um, you'd be surprised at how many coaches get upset at the person keeping the book about there being a wrong number, you know, for, for, for whatever reason, the coach, there's no way that a coach could have put a wrong number in, but it's usually not the head coach. It's an assistant or a third assistant or a, a manager. Um, and, and I've, I've, I wouldn't say near come to blows, but there's been some heated arguments about numbers not getting put in correctly until the scorekeeper and in Alaska, many of this, many of the referee associations also hired the, the table officials as well. Okay. So they're part of the same association. Um, until the scorekeeper who will always keep the roster will say, this is what you gave me. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That's, that's my fault. And, um, I, uh, I, I'm telling you, it is like, it is like cold. It is close to my, that, that I checked that book. No lie. 20 times every game. Like I'm sitting on the bench. I'm checking it. You know, I'm checking it with a previous game, you know, and then when tournament comes, if I move kids up, I literally walk in the locker room and go, okay, let me see your jersey. Like, and I make them pull up their thing. Because okay. it's like, it's my responsibility. It's me. It's Absolutely. no one else's. I if it's wrong when I turn it in, it's, it's going to fall on me. Like, the puck stops here. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't. As, as far as success and failures, like you said, I think we learn more from our failures about what not to do. And I would say as an official, when, when you don't know a rule and you adjudicate it incorrectly, and I'm thinking more, not like, the difference between what is a travel and what isn't a travel, but I'm thinking big layered plays. You've got right. a double foul 
And then all of a sudden the coach gets really angry and irate and he gets assessed a technical. And then, you know, one of the fans jumps off the, the, the bench or whatever. And you have these, these huge layered plays and, and how to sort everything out and adjudicate that. I think the first time that you do it incorrectly and then you go back in the locker room and you look at the rule book and say, yeah, I messed that one up. You will never adjudicate that. That's play in the order that it occurs, that. isn't it? Is it in the order that it occurs? Yes. In, okay. high, in high school, that's one of the, the things that's really nice. We call it, the, as a math term, order of operations. Right, it is the order of operations. So there's, there is a very, very specific order that we do things in. Um, I also officiate uh, NCAA, and there are some similarities to high school, and there are also some very, very big differences as well. And sometimes in those layered plays, it, it isn't how, in the order that they, they come, is if you've watched uh, for example, men's basketball. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like. Um, we love those. Um, and send me an email, steve at teachhoops.com. Tell me what you want to hear in the future. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.